This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 55th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I did not have to work today, so but I have to work this weekend. But I was off today, so I got to just kind of hang out and... Uh, Get ready for the podcast. That's magnificent. You said you have to work this weekend? Yeah. On Saturday? Saturday morning only. Gotcha. I have to work Saturday all day long. That's terrible. It is awful. Every <laughs> year there is a, a big alumni event that I have to work every year. And so it's normally some big SEC game, of course, that I have to uh, have to miss. So I am not looking forward to, to that, unfortunately. But I'll be following along on my phone. Because we have a game this Saturday against South Carolina. You're kidding. I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything about it. Yeah, we, we, we do. Oh, well, we'll be sure to uh, preview that, I guess. Um, yeah, let's add it to the We'll add it to the list here. Uh, but before we do that, we do have some news this week and a lot of basketball news. So on the recruiting front, uh, we had a visit from Davion Bradford. He is a big man in the class of 2020. And one that we've talked about probably looks like Mizzou has been in the driver's seat with, with him for a little while now. And um, I think there's a pretty good chance he ends up a Tiger. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think I originally thought that we might be looking for a commitment potentially coming out of this uh, this weekend's visit. But I think he is attending a, a some kind of event at Kansas. Gross. I don't know when that is, but probably maybe a week or two before the basketball season starts. So he's probably holding off on any Missouri commitment. He might be looking for that Kansas offer. Um, if he does not get that Kansas offer, then I believe he's going to be at Missouri. What about Caleb Love? I think, ooh, man, that's a good question. I think that he might be at Missouri. He visits North Carolina this weekend, so that's That's not the big good. one right there. I really, like I said last week, I really think it's a two-team race at this point. Um, if you follow us on Twitter, you may have seen a development that happened yesterday. I, uh, it was reported by some fan account that Caleb Love is now following Davian Bradford on, on Instagram. So in 2019, that's a big deal whenever you, uh, you see these guys are start following each other. I feel like it happens in the NBA a lot um, or NFL. Sometimes you can maybe tell some kind of... Uh, some kind of move it might but might be in the future whenever these stars start following each other so yeah it, um, it might be nothing but you never know missouri has not been shy about the fact that he is at the top of their list and they've been everywhere to see him they've had in-home visits they've had him on campus and louisville though has also been pulling out all the stops and they also recently lost out on a point guard recruit that they were um, pretty high on so he committed to nc state so caleb love is definitely highest uh, point guard left on their list as well and i don't think you can count louisville out yet so yeah i think you're right they have a lot of good young talent on their team too this year i think they have a chance to be really really good uh this season and for the next uh foreseeable future really so um it's always attractive to these these five star guys want to play with their five star guys. I mean, of course they do. So, um, that, yeah, I mean we can't we can't count them out yet. I do think that they're probably third place here at the moment, but uh, never know. I saw an an article I think from Eric Bossy, who is kind of a Midwest uh, recruiting analyst, and he did an interview with Caleb Love recently. And obviously Missouri is the only school he's taken a, an official visit to so far, but. Um, you know, it, it seemed like he had some really genuinely nice things to say about Missouri, and, and it's to me, still looks really good for us at the moment. Um, he just, again, talked about Conzo Martin's just relentless efforts to, to recruit him and just show, really showed him how, how badly, you know, we want him. And, um, you know, we've been recruiting him for two or three years now, and I, and I think that really has, has 
been a, a big key in this recruitment is him just honoring us really being there from the start and never wavering at any point, you know, being, being there anytime he's playing where, you know, we've got somebody there watching. So it, I think it, it's really, um, it means a lot to him and it, it shows him that, you know, Conzo Martin really cares about, about getting him here, obviously. So. Yeah. And just the fact that they've just been going all out in the last four months, basically just showing that he is far and away the top priority. So, uh, hopefully he comes out of this weekend uncommitted. Yep. Uh, looking to even further into the future with basketball recruiting, uh, Missouri is going to host a couple of recruits on unofficial visits, a forward from the class of 2022 named Mark Mitchell. He's a five-star ranked 20th in his class and a four-star forward in the 2021 class named Tamar Bates. So it's a little too early for us to be digging in too deep on these guys on the podcast here, but um, it, it has begun. They've, there's visits happening for uh, recruits many years in the future, just like we were talking about Caleb Love. Missouri's been recruiting him for several years now. That's This is where it starts. Do you know if either one of these guys are in-state by any chance? I don't think either one of them are. Uh, uh, Mark Mitchell <clears throat> is in – he's from Kansas. Okay. Yep, it's uh, that is definitely the landscape of recruiting. Is you got to be if if you're a school like Missouri, you've got to be in on these guys from the beginning. Um, we don't normally have the capability to come in at the last minute, at least not with uh, these kind of prospects. So it's good that Conzo Martin is getting on these guys early if we want to have a shot. And then uh, last bit of news here: switching gears to football, Montra Edwards Jr. We've talked about him a few times on this this podcast. He will take his first official visit to Missouri on October 12th that is homecoming and Missouri plays Ole Miss yeah um I mean we've we've analyzed Demontra Edwards at this point I mean we we kind of know what uh, what kind of prospect he is he, he's definitely a guy that that we want um a really talented guy who's you know has a, has a lot of opportunities I think he is from Mississippi and I think Ole Miss is definitely a school that is also uh, maybe one of the front runners potentially so it'll be good uh you know a good opportunity for mizzou to potentially you know capitalize directly over another school that he's considering and if people haven't listened to other episodes where we've talked about him he already has a history with the university of missouri yeah yeah he uh, he committed um i don't know maybe a month or two ago it's probably two months ago and he was committed for what maybe like a week i think we we talked about his commitment on the podcast and then the very next week we talked about his decommitment but uh, yeah, just a guy that probably made a, uh, you know, rushed into a decision a little too soon, wanted to just hit the reset button to make sure he's making the right decision. But obviously Missouri still has a good shot to uh, eventually land him. That's all I have for news, I believe. Other than the fact that Missouri smoked SEMO on Saturday, especially yeah. in the first half. 50 balled him. Yeah. You ready to talk about that? I'm ready. Uh, yeah. So 50 to zero was the final score. Um, We'll really just touch on uh, Missouri's offense, I think, and then uh, there's a few def- defensive possessions of note. But And then we'll kind of talk about what looked good and what didn't look good. So um, right off the bat, Missouri's first drive was all Larry Roundtree. He had seven touches on the first drive for 85 yards, and he finished it with a touchdown run. And he looked really good. I mean, he it was all him, that first drive. And you could tell the size of the players just the athleticism was not there for SEMO as you would expect from an FCS school and at the line of scrimmage just all around the field Missouri dominated but Larry Roundtree with how big he looks going up against you know uh, power five opponents he looked like a monster against the FCS school yeah he really did and it, it I don't even know that SEMO really should have been sharing the field with an SEC school uh, <laughs> because it just, like you said, was completely dominant from start to to uh, to the end. And um, the offensive line was just opening up holes everywhere. Guys were running all over the place wide open. And I honestly, it didn't even look like Larry Roundtree even had to run as hard as he probably could. Like he was just coasting and uh, no nobody could stop him. So on, at least on this first drive, so. It was, I mean, at least good to see Missouri come out. They looked very fresh. They looked focused. They were they've not... come out fast in every game so far. Yeah, they've looked good in first quarters. This one especially. Yeah. Um, 
They scored again three plays later when Kale Garrett got his own pick six. He, I think he was a little bit jealous of uh, Nick Bolton and wanted to get a <laughs> touchdown of his own. So that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, he made a nifty little move there to get in the end zone too. I think he kind of dodged a guy to, uh, to complete the pick six. And then Missouri's second offensive possession started with a 54-yard reception by Jalen Knox, and it ended with a touchdown catch from Albert O. And I just want to point out, two Missouri offensive possessions into this game, we've already checked three boxes of things we wanted to see last week when we were previewing this game. You know, we said Missouri's going to win, but specifically, what is something you want to see? And I said some big plays on the ground. I want to see Larry Roundtree and Tyler Beatty break free for big runs. We haven't seen that yet, really. And first possession, Larry Roundtree had a run of 30 yards and another run of like 12 yards, I think. But that 30-yard run, I was like, well, there it is. That's exactly what I wanted to see. And I also mentioned Albert O keeping on track with his touchdowns. He did that. And you mentioned a big play through the air to like a maybe Jalen Knox. And that's exactly what happened with this uh, 54-yarder. And I was like, they listened to the well, podcast. there we go. That's they the, did everything they wanted. the only thing that could have possibly be Tur- happening. Turn the game off, and it's over. We got what we wanted. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was good to see um, Jalen Knox get get involved. You know, the the wide receivers just haven't been a huge part of the offense, and and a lot of times that you know in this season they haven't really needed to be. Um, they were a bigger part of the offense than you alluded to last week. I was though. getting there uh, last <laughs> week. I I think I said that I don't know. We didn't have any wide receiver touchdowns or something. But besides I'm, Barrett Bannister, besides Barrett Bannister, but I'm pretty sure J- Jonathan Nance caught two of his own in the again in the Wyoming game. But yeah. clearly, I'm trying to block that game out of my mind so that's why i forgot about it <laughs> yeah. but um so yeah i mean those are the th- and i think we'll talk i think there was another uh, big play to jalen later in the game but the, the throw from kelly bryant was just beautiful it was just perfect yeah looked better than a lot of drew lock deep balls i mean it seemed like a lot of time lock would throw it the guy was open and they'd come down with it but it just wasn't just didn't seem that like you know perfect throw and sometimes yeah. he would but yeah, both of these, I was like, man, that was absolutely perfect. Yeah, and I think another thing that I, maybe we'll talk about a little bit more in our preview of South Carolina, but, uh, you know, I, I think that my my preconceived notions of, of Kelly Bryant have been really kind of incorrect. From what, what I expected to see of him um, have almost been opposite. You know, he's been much more of a passer this year, at least through three games, um, less of a runner, and I, I think that maybe when the offense – is more tested and needs to, you know, do something a little bit different. And maybe they've been kind of vanilla so far. Whenever they're playing a better defense, maybe, you know, he'll get involved in the run game more. But so far it looks like in most of those, you know, RPO situations, he's handing the ball off and he's not even really looking to run. You know, I think there was a couple designed run, uh, designed plays for him in the West Virginia game that didn't really go anywhere. But I think that maybe that's something we'll see more of um, later in the season. But so far he's he's been very effective just in his past game yeah um i think we can touch on that a little bit more like you said when we preview south carolina but i I almost think that that's probably coach dooley just kind of wanting to use bryant as a passer more than he more than he was used uh at clemson i don't think i think it's definitely possible that coach dooley never really intended for kelly bryant to be running for like you know 600 yards this season yeah i mean if he can be effective passing and we don't have to risk him you know running all over the field that's obviously best case scenario and i think a best case scenario for kelly individually is that he gets a shot at the next level and i think that him being able to throw well this year showcases something that he didn't get to much at clemson and so i think that's maybe answering a question mark that you know nfl scouts might have about him and that could have definitely played a part in his recruitment to missouri is the coaches saying hey listen we know you you're you've got the arm talent so we want to showcase that you know avoid those hits and set you up for playing in the next level Mm -hmm. um missouri's offense uh had to wait a little bit before getting their chance because on a semo punt rashad floyd took it uh to the house for a touchdown and the announcers called him richard and (laughs) they did that the rest of the game or at least one guy did and i noticed that the other uh, his companion in the booth one time he said richard 
Floyd something something. And the other guy specifically said, yeah, Rashad had a couple of those good ones last year, something like that. And I was like, he purposefully used his first name to kind of hint to the guy, ah, you're saying this wrong. Or to show everybody else that at least one of the guys in the booth Maybe. knew what they were talking about. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Yeah. This but he was, looked really good on that punt return. Yeah. It was really impressive. And there was like several times where I was thought he was going to be tackled. And I'm like, oh, nope, he's still going. I kind of jokingly said while watching it, when he made that first move, made that very first guy miss, I jokingly said, see ya and not thinking he would actually take it all the way and he sure enough he did and what's maybe even more magnificent about that return was uh he returned it all the way without any penalties i feel yeah. like that's so common these days is somebody I'm, does it somebody does a block Missouri in the back. specifically exactly um let's see here touchdown 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 so where were we here like 28 zero at this point or something so. like that How'd they end up with 27? Was that 21 to zero then? After Floyd's touchdown? On the second, on Kale Garrett's uh, pick six, Tucker McCann's PAT was blocked, according okay. to ESPN. Oh, yep, yep, yep. I so it, was, it went now. 7, 13, 20, 27. So yeah, first quarter, 27 to zero. And obviously the game was over probably after the pick six, but. If there was any doubt whatsoever, 27 to 0 after one quarter is just insane. Yeah, I, I'm honestly at one point, even maybe in the first quarter of this game, I started to like feel bad for Simo. Like, well, they when just Jordan Elliott got that big hit on the quarterback, I think that I might like, have been where it yikes. was. Yeah, let's, it was like. Let's just call it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it just, I mean, I don't want to sound too soft or anything, but it was just, it was overkill yeah. eventually. And obviously, yeah. these. Uh, these guys learned very quickly they had absolutely no shot in this game if they didn't already know yeah so i don't know if missouri kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit but uh, the next five combined possessions were punts but then uh, tyler Beatty broke off a 49 yard run and so check another box got a big run from both running backs Uh, kelly bryant threw a fade to the end zone for maurice massey but it was picked off and man i don't know just taking a chance like that you got to kind of take these situations and these blowouts and kind of in your mind move them to a competitive game in a big spot and you just that would be so devastating in so many different situations when you're not up 27 to 0 yeah that's definitely a mistake that can't happen in a in an sec game or a game that's going to be closer than this and you know we're going to find out pretty soon not this weekend uh, if Kelly Bryant maybe is more careful with his decision making, but that's definitely a mistake that would be backbreaking potentially. Uh, next Missouri possession, that was the uh, 50 yard bomb to Jalen Knox. And I noticed as soon as the ball left Kelly Bryant's hand, it looked like it was going so high yeah. in the air. Like the trajectory of that ball was something that you don't see very often. Yeah. But it just dropped right down into Jalen Knox's arms and for another huge play. And that drive uh, was capped off with Larry Roundtree's second touchdown of the night. Did you notice that Larry Roundtree had a lot more touches this week than Tyler Beatty? Yes, I did. I we put that post that uh, the poll up on Twitter last week, asking you know who would finish the season with more touches, either Larry Roundtree or Tyler Beatty. And, so carries or catches combined. Right. And so. At the, at the time, last week, I believe Tyler Beatty had like three more touches than Larry Roundtree um, on, through you know, the first two games, I guess. Yeah. Um, but Larry, Larry Roundtree like dominated the poll. I think it was like 80 to 20, probably right. something and like that. And now everybody's thinking, what a silly poll because yeah, he had... He dumb. Larry Roundtree had 18 carries to Tyler Beatty's seven and three catches to Tyler Beatty's one. So pulled yeah. away. I thought that I might try to keep doing that poll weekly as the season went on because i thought that tyler Beatty was gonna really stay right up there with him but you should do it again this week we should add it up and you should do it again this week and just see how lopsided it is it's like 99 to 1 yeah (laughs) the only people voting one are like tyler Beatty himself i voted larry roundtree last week so yeah uh tucker mccann hit some field goals in here he hit a 44 yard field goal at the end of the half and then a 42 yarder on missouri's first possession of the second half and the Missouri first team offense scored one last touchdown on their final drive of the game with the help of 
21-yard and 26-yard runs from Larry Roundtree. And then the backups went in, and then Tucker McCann hit a 52-yarder to make it 50-0. to zero. So I just covered a lot of the game right there in like two sentences. Is there anything in there that stuck out to you? I thought maybe the starters played a little too long. That was my one thing I was going to say. Uh, was, was I was going to ask you if you thought the starters were in there too long because I thought that it, like it's just not necessary for these guys to be playing well into the third quarter like they were. When I saw Albert O kind of like tap his helmet, yes. you know, like I take think- me out. I was like, okay, let's not do this anymore. I think that's even when maybe the commentators said yeah. something like, like that's why probably, is he even out there? Yeah, that's yeah. probably the last time we're going to see him tonight, and yeah. I honestly don't know why a lot of these guys are playing. So yeah. I think everybody kind of It seemed like they were thought. subbing in the second team a little bit more on defense, just kind of mixing guys together. Mm-hmm. But seeing you know, the starting offensive line and Kelly yeah, Bryant sure, yeah. and Albert O, it's just like, okay, probably good. Maybe there was something specific that the coaching staff wanted to see from the first team offense. Yeah, but so. I mean, obviously, they did slow down there in the second quarter a bit, but um, I don't know. Not a whole lot of reasoning that would justify that, in my opinion. Bad in the stats. I guess. <laughs> uh, Tucker McCann definitely did. That 52-yarder looked really good. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, we've known that for a while, that he can hit from just about anywhere. Maybe not consistently, but he can. Right. He definitely can, has the ability. And uh, even though West Virginia was able to get a garbage-time touchdown, that was not going to happen in this one. So credit to Missouri's defense for actually completing the shutout, even with the backups playing for a little more than a quarter. Mm-hmm. Any other any anything else noteworthy from this game that you took away from it? Honestly, there's just so little to take away from a game like this against a team that would you know almost be like Missouri playing against an NFL team. It was like almost that level of discrepancy in talent, like. And, you know, SEMO's a decent FCS quality program, but... I think um, they made the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm, but, you know, Missouri left uh, absolutely no doubt out there. I mean, it was just pedal to the metal from, from beginning to end, and that's what we wanted to see. So, um, yeah, there's there's really nothing that we could get from this win, or from this game, really, unless it was, you know, you know, SEMO was playing well, then maybe we could, might have some panic, but... Uh, it's just not really nothing to learn from this. One thing that did disappoint me was just the number of penalties. Again, um, that's been an issue in kind of consistently so far this season, something that we've seen from game to game and something that will really be detrimental come SEC play this weekend. So maybe they'll get that uh, fixed a little bit, but uh, the final tally here was nine penalties for 79 yards one of those in particular was a kind of a bogus call i can't remember who it was i want to say it was like a defensive lineman who got called for like a um, personal foul when he it looked like he pushed a guy late but he didn't really do anything when he looked at the replay so that was maybe 15 yards that didn't really deserve to be there but penalties have been an issue in consecutive games now so we'll see if that they can improve on that a little bit but yeah other than that i think we saw what we needed to see mm-hmm. so missouri improved to two and one the last time they were two and one was 2012 they beat southeast louisiana lost to georgia in their first ever sec game and beat arizona state that 2012 season after starting two and one did not end very well they only won five games was that when they had Burke Stresser? Yeah. He was playing went, for an injured James Franklin. Okay, yeah. I went to that Arizona State game, which was very exciting because it ended on an interception in the end zone. Yeah. Uh, but anyways. Yeah, there was a lot of hype before that first Georgia game at home too. Yeah. And that was a sellout, like 71,000 people there. Yeah. And Was that when the Georgia guys like held up a sign that said like old man football because Sheldon Richardson had made a comment before the game? And that was when I forget his name, but the Georgia, I can't, I can't even remember if he was a linebacker or like an end, uh, sacked James Franklin. I think it was like a strip sack and injured his shoulder and it was just like, Oh yeah, he was not right. The rest of the season. Right. Bounced back pretty well for 2013 though. Yeah. All right, so uh, before we preview South Carolina, we do have to uh, assess our college football playoff squads. 
So um, this is a segment where we drafted a team of teams, and uh, we're trying to get the best four squads to uh, represent us in the college football playoff. So um, we do have the option to trade out any of our teams if we want to, and it doesn't look like anybody lost this week. So producer Cameron, you do get the option to trade out any of your teams if you would like to. I would not like to. Okay, Kyle. Penn State honestly looked terrible and barely beat Pittsburgh this week, but I'm just going to – I don't really have any better options, so I'm just going to hang on to them. All right, and I will not switch anybody out either. Last week I switched uh, Michigan for Wisconsin, and I didn't even realize that they don't play that game until this week, so it was just nice and early on that. Yep. Uh, But hopefully Wisconsin wins that one. So uh, just to let everybody know, my team is Clemson, LSU, Notre Dame, Wisconsin – Kyle has Alabama, Georgia, Utah, and Penn State. Producer Cameron has Oklahoma, Ohio State, Auburn, and Florida. Now we can talk about the biggest game of the season for Missouri, and that is the Week 4 matchup with South Carolina. And we will start that off by looking at the Week 4 depth chart. Was there anything noteworthy this week? I don't think so. I think there were some oars added to the offensive line. Okay. But other than that, I think we maybe have some backups that are going to share time with the ones more often. Maybe Case Cook, was he one of those? Yeah, and the uh, 6'8", 300-pound guy, I forget his name. Oh, yeah. Bobby Lawrence? Yep. Interesting. He's a true freshman. Yeah. And he's massive. Yes. I saw we we were right behind the Missouri bench uh, at the West Virginia game, and I actually just specifically noticed how large Bobby Lawrence is. He is enormous. All right, so South Carolina, they are 1-2 and two and have lost their only SEC game so far. They lost to North Carolina to start the season, beat Charleston Southern, and then lost to Alabama last week. And uh, they looked pretty bad against North Carolina, looked incredible against Charleston Southern because they're a bad FCS team and looked kind of normal against Alabama. Alabama looked amazing though. Yeah. So yeah, yeah they had some moments against uh, Bama. I, I thought that, and we'll talk about Ryan Hills, uh, Helensky here in a minute, but I really thought he looked pretty impressive at times. And I think they looked impressive at times against North Carolina um, early on in the game. I, I watched probably the first half of that. I remember thinking, I don't know how good North Carolina is, but I think South Carolina might be decent. And then they gave the the game away at the end. They pulled a pulled a Barry Odom and gave it away at the end. But um, you know, I, I really think South Carolina might might be might be decent this year. And I think I kind of discounted them after a disappointing campaign last year when I thought they might be decent. Um, but I mean, they might be fighting for for that second or third spot in the East this year. Speaking of last year, uh, last year Missouri played South Carolina, and if you'll remember, there was a monsoon in the third quarter, and Missouri ended up losing that game 37-35, to 35. and so I think revenge will be a somewhat of a factor in this one. Um, obviously, we've got some players that didn't play in that game last year, but many players that did, and probably them just remembering you know, being up in that game and outscoring South Carolina by 15 outside of that ridiculous third quarter and uh, losing that one kind of heartbreaking fashion. So a lot of Missouri fans will remember that one and remember several other South Carolina games. And we were talking before the podcast about how South Carolina has developed into a bit of a rivalry, rivalry with Missouri. And I definitely think so. I mean, you look at two teams that kind of are about the same caliber you know, as far as their, I think, you know, Missouri fans would point to some stats to say that Missouri has been a better program, uh, for longer than South Carolina, but, you know, recent history is the only thing that really matters. And these two teams have been pretty comparable as far as, um, their performance in the SEC relative to how long they've been there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just all, the whole thing with the with Jim Sturck and their women's basketball coach. I didn't even think about that. Don Staley, is that yeah. her name? Yeah. So obviously there's been some some beef between these two programs. And, um, and yeah, in just the past couple of years, we've been disappointing in some of these matchups uh, football-wise. And, um, 
I definitely think this is uh, could be a rivalry. Um, just kind of depending on what happens in this game, you know. But I, I really think it's 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 possible that this kind of develops into a rivalry, as well as the the Columbia thing. Sure, we're sure. Both, so we're kind of fighting the for other the, Columbia, the, the Columbia rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, so South Carolina lost their starting quarterback Jake Bentley. We talked about that last week, but uh, that freshman. Ryan Helinski, he did throw for 324 yards and two touchdowns against Alabama, but it took him 57 attempts, which is just a pretty astronomical number when you talk about um, anything outside of Texas Tech or Washington State. So I thought that was pretty crazy. Uh, Not very efficient, but was able to put up some numbers, but they had the ball a lot because Alabama was scoring really fast against them. Yeah, Ryan Helinski was a pretty heralded recruit and <clears throat> clearly a guy who has a pretty serious arm. You know, uh, he's a very different quarterback than Jake Bentley is. If you recall uh, the 400 years that Jake Bentley's been at South Carolina, he's definitely a, a high floor kind of guy, but kind of a low ceiling. He's kind of athletically limited, but um, kind of more just a game manager um, almost, you know, kind of like an Alex Smith type player, you know, just throw, throws the ball kind of short quick throws but and so not a whole lot of high scoring games uh that jake bentley is uh is at the helm but definitely ryan hillinski is a completely different player um high ceiling a lot of arm talent so he's gonna they're gonna throw the ball a ton again um and so this will this will be a huge test for uh, missouri's secondary if they can make a statement in this game then you know maybe i'll you know, change my stance on, on them a little bit. I don't know, but they have a a great opportunity to prove that they are better this year than last year. Yeah. I think, I mean, this team is still coached by Will Muschamp. So even if they have a really talented quarterback, they're definitely going to want to set the tone running the ball and then look to set up the pass later on. But um, I was looking back at their loss to North Carolina uh, South Carolina rushed for uh, almost six yards per carry, and uh, but they also gave up five yards per carry on 49 attempts. So North Carolina ran, uh, won that game just by running the ball down their throat. I mean, 50 rushing attempts at five yards per carry adds up in a hurry. So I, I know South Carolina has made some changes to their starting lineups on offense and defense since that North Carolina game. So, um, but... As far as South Carolina's offense, yeah, they'll definitely try to run the ball. And But with this new quarterback under center, I think that they're going to try to maybe replicate a little bit of what they did last year, which is just take advantage of big plays. And that's something that we've talked about the last few years with Missouri, just giving up a lot of random, just huge plays on defense. And if South Carolina can do that, I think Missouri will be able to make some big plays of their own on offense. But if South Carolina can match that to some extent, it could be, you know, one of those really high stress viewing experiences for the fans. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> South Carolina has two really good wide receivers and uh, Brian Edwards and, and She Smith, but uh, I think the big key loss for them is Debo Samuel. And I mean, he was one of the most electric players in the SEC um, last year. Did and really well in the NFL last week. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, clearly a super talented player who I was terrified of uh, the last few years and. So it's good that he's not on the on the field anymore, and they've had some talented uh, tight ends as well the last few years that I think they no longer have. So um, there's been some key losses in the offense for them, but still some some really good veteran players that we're going to have to uh, cover. Yeah, Brian Edwards definitely definitely scares me. I think uh, you know you got to hope that Demarcus AC can hold his own against him, but he's super talented, and they've got some sort of interior receivers in the slot and tight ends that I think the Missouri linebackers and safeties might have trouble matching up against. So if they decide, you know, maybe Missouri gets off to a fast start like they have been doing this year. And if South Carolina decides they kind of want to spread it out and start throwing the ball around, I think Missouri could struggle to cover that many different options at receiver for South Carolina. But uh, hopefully Missouri can keep stuffing the run like they did against West Virginia and SEMO and hopefully they've got any issues from that Wyoming game drilled down by this point. Uh, We talked about Kelly Bryant's sort of run game uh, a little bit earlier that maybe that's by design, that he hasn't been running as much, but I tend to think that if this offense is going to 
kind of be as successful as we think they could be, he's going to have to find those spots where basically use them the way they did Drew Locke last year and just find those spots where the defense is keying in on the running back and you can just keep it for a nice five, six yard gain, get that first down on second down Mm -hmm. and just keep moving the chains that way, slide and not take a hit. Yeah, I think it's very possible that the coaching staff has encouraged him to uh, to hand the ball off on those RPO situations so that they can use him as kind of a, a surprise in a maybe a closer, more important game. Uh, I would be very surprised if we did not see some, some RPO runs stay with Kelly Bryant in this game at least a few times, maybe on a third and two or something like that. You know, they'd just be perfect opportunities to, to pull that out because I don't think that I mean, obviously the defense knows who Kelly Bryant is. They know that he can run, but the fact that he hasn't done it a single time like this whole season, right? Um, I think is is probably it has to be intentional so that the defense is not going to focus in on the possibility of it happening. Right, and Missouri, to their own credit, we talked about you know the weapons that South Carolina has. I mean, Missouri is up there with you know some of the better teams in the SEC as far as the balance that they have at the skill positions with Larry Roundtree, Alberto and the stable of wide receivers, I think they can compete with just about anybody. It's just getting them the ball in the right situation and not turning the ball over is going to be so huge in this one. That's doomed us in many games against South Carolina. You know, we've had these weird games where we outgain a team, you know, move the ball on offense, but then turn it over uh, with disastrous results. And it keeps a team like South Carolina in the game and gives them a chance to win and makes me have a lot of stress watching the game yeah. and it's just really frustrating when they just don't hold on to the ball. So I think that's obviously it's easy to say that turnovers is going to be a key to the game, but sure. against South Carolina, it just seems like they're so opportunistic. And if you don't give them those extra opportunities with the ball, if you don't give them those short fields to work with, then their offense has a tendency to stall out yeah. at least historically for Will Muschamp. But when you give them short fields and just give them more chances to score, they'll eventually do it. Yeah, and maybe even more importantly, um, how they respond to turnovers because those things are going to happen um, from time to time. You can obviously try to limit them, but they're going to happen, and so you're just going to have to move on because um, that's something that Missouri has not historically in the last few years done well. Um, so that's that's definitely one area that we've talked about a lot and that we want to see improvement on. So this is a great opportunity to see, you know, how do, how do they react to adversity in game? And a, and a big part of it is when the turnovers come. I mean, when you're, when you throw an interception, when it was third and 12 and you're just taking a shot because it's kind of a last ditch effort and you throw an interception, you know, at the opponents, they catch it at their own 20 yard line on a really deep ball. What I would like to refer to as the Maddie mock arm punt those you can live with to some extent it's those turnovers in the end zone or those fumbles deep in your own territory Mm -hmm. that can really hurt you so aka everything that happened in the wyoming game exactly yeah (laughs) if you can't tell i'm a little scarred by that and just like uh these memories keep popping up and it just terrifies me that's (laughs) understandable um is there anything else like in particular that you wanted to point out about south carolina I mean, they, we ha- we still don't know much about them, especially offensively with the new quarterback, and their only SEC be- in, their only SEC game being against Alabama is just like yeah. What what yeah. can you even you learn from that? You can't learn much from Missouri's win against SEMO, and you really can't learn much from a loss against Alabama. Um, honestly, I thought South Carolina looked maybe a little bit better than I was expecting against Alabama, especially with a you know a, a freshman quarterback, but. The fact um, that they couldn't do anything to even slow down Alabama's offense, yeah. though, I mean, that's... Their, their defense is definitely a liability for um, for them. So I think Missouri is going to be able to... Especially compared to previous years. Right. Yeah, definitely. Missouri is going to be able to move the ball. It's just whether or not they can uh, they can slow down uh, South Carolina's offense, which is kind of weird because it, it is, like you said, kind of flip-flop from um, kind of the mantra they've built the last couple of years. Yeah, one thing that I think that I always like to look at when it comes to Missouri's offense is scoring at least a point in each quarter and just kind of always being there and putting that pressure on and looking at the uh, Alabama box score they scored double figures in every quarter against South Carolina so Missouri um, 
had a 0.3rd quarter in both the Wyoming and West Virginia games. And that third quarter was pretty big as far as trying to get that momentum back in the Wyoming game. If they had scored, you know, even a field goal, you know, I think that was third quarter. Would that have been the Kelly Bryant interception in the end zone? So, you know, taking one of those scoring opportunities and turning it into points is so huge. So I'll be looking at the box score to see if Missouri can put up points in every quarter. Um, I wish we could talk more about it, but unfortunately the teams just haven't played enough games. Um, I guess it's just time to give some predictions. Yeah. I think I went first last week, so I'll let you go ahead. Oh, man. Um, Man, I I would love to say that Missouri wins this game. I'm not going to be surprised by really probably any outcome here. Um, unless it's just super one-sided either way. Um, <clears throat> I think I am going to predict Missouri to win. I think it's going to be pretty high scoring. If we, if our analysis has been uh, correct at all of the previous games this year, both offenses are, are going to be rolling in this game. Both defenses are a question mark. So I'm going to predict a 38-34 Missouri victory. Okay, so I'm going to predict... You scared me for a second. I thought you were going to predict a loss. <laughs> um, I'm going to predict a win, but I think it's going to be lower scoring. I think that Missouri's defense is going to kind of hopefully... Uh, this is kind of a hopeful prediction more than anything. I think they're going to kind of show us that they're maybe deserving of some of those inflated rankings after the um, West Virginia and SEMO games. I mean their efficiency stats are really good because they played some pretty bad teams and I'm hoping they can play a few more good teams and keep those efficiency stats, you know, relatively decent. So I'm predicting, predicting Missouri to win this one 28, 17. You're not buying that Helsinki hype. No, I think he's going to throw two interceptions. All right. I hope you're right. Um, I, I really wouldn't be super shocked if Missouri's secondary came out and made a statement and said we're we're for real this year despite a meltdown at Wyoming we're, we're gonna turn things around and we're not afraid of uh, SEC opponents I think in in pass coverage they will perform really well but they could really be helped out a lot by somebody getting to the quarterback on the defensive line mm-hmm. I think a lot of times defensive secondaries can only do so much when they're trying to cover these receivers and they can cover for a while but if the quarterback has forever to throw eventually they're going to find somebody yeah i think the d-line has been fine at at pressuring the quarterback so far obviously they've been playing some in superior offensive lines but um i don't know i the thing is we have to count on our interior linemen to get pressure probably more than we should have to obviously jordan elliott's a a great player um but but yeah we just we need more from the ends we need more from from chris turner or uh jatorian hansford had Um, he been hurt what were we who was the uh defensive lineman that we were waiting to come back trajan jeffcoat oh he's not gonna i don't think he's gonna be back this week but i think yeah he was not on the depth chart yeah we've got a bye next week i think he may be able to return after the bye against troy that sounds good All right, so that's our predictions. We're both predicting wins. Kyle likes them to score a little bit more points, and I like a little bit more of a comfortable win and a good performance from the defense. But we're not done picking games because we get to finish the show with SEC Pick'em plus Nebraska, week four edition. Last week, I was able to gain another point on Kyle, or I guess pull away by another point. I was 5-1. and I missed Arkansas beating... Uh, Colorado State I went with the upset there but I did get Kansas State to upset Mississippi State Kyle picked all the favorites so he just missed the K-State pick were you surprised by that K-State did you watch any of that I I was watching that game it was kind of entertaining there was that crazy uh, helicopter oh my god uh, (laughs) yeah that was (laughs) insane I saw replay of that I saw that I saw that so many times on Twitter but uh, it was insane how much like altitude <laughs> he got, <laughs> but it almost looked fake how how his body yeah. just like kept going. I up. thought he was going to get the first down there for a sec. I yeah. thought like if I thought he might land on his feet too. Yeah, 
Uh, so I have 18 points. Kyle has 14. The way this works is we just pick the winners. We don't pick against the spread. And you get a bonus point if you correctly pick an upset. And we will start this week with Tennessee at number nine, Florida. Florida is a 14-point favorite. They had a really close game against uh, Kentucky. I thought they should have lost that one. They lost their quarterback. Did you see, sidebar, did you see the replay of the Kentucky linebacker twisting the yes. ankle of the... Yeah, I've seen that quite a bit. Um, it's just very blatantly he's trying to like twist the guy's ankle Did you see his pile. response to yes, it? Yes, I did, uh. which is very blatantly just a terrible attempt to try to justify what he was doing yeah just, just probably just don't take that interview yeah in that situation what's his name cash i don't remember i think it is i think that i can't remember i think that's his last name but he's a good player um but he honestly should probably re be receiving some kind of discipline for that because it's as blatant as you could yeah. possibly imagine yeah anyway florida won that game they're ranked number nine and they're favored by two touchdowns at home against tennessee kentucky is like a terrible track record against florida like they just for like a really long time they have only beaten florida one time in the last like so many years but 100 years i heard i think 100 years is it um florida versus tennessee honestly i think tennessee could win this game uh pick um but i'm not gonna pick them <laughs> because i hate them <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm picking florida as well because why would i pick tennessee that's a good idea uh then we have a matchup of a Pac-12 team with an SEC team. We have number 23 Cal traveling to play at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a two and a half point favorite at home. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, I'm taking Cal. Well, that was what I was going to do. You can. Cal's ranked number 23. Yeah. And they're not favored against a terrible team. Is Ole Miss is terrible? It? Kind of. Okay, well then pick but, Cal. <laughs> You're playing head games with me. <laughs> uh, I don't know anything about Cal, to be completely honest. So I'm going to pick him. It's an easy underdog pick. That's just too easy. Cal's, I, I got to keep pace with you. Yeah, Cal's going to win that game. Uh, then we have number eight, Auburn, traveling to play at number 17, Texas A&M. Texas A&M, a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. This will be a good game. Yeah. What time is this? Do you know? No idea. No idea. Okay. No idea a clock. No idea a clock. I'm going to take A&M. Wow. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites as well. Yeah. So um, Let me see. Let me look at what time. Oh, 2.30 p.m. That really changes my thoughts. <laughs> I guess I wasn't really asking in, like, keeping in mind i wasn't trying I, I wasn't making my decision based on that information i probably shouldn't have asked that information oh, right see. then so you just wondered I if you're gonna be able to watch it i was just curious <laughs> um 2 30 o'clock on cbs i think i'm gonna take who did you pick a&m texas a&m that is i'll take auburn for the upset all right that's probably a good pick <laughs> And then we have Kentucky at Mississippi State. Mississippi State, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. They just lost, I believe, at home to K-State. Yep, I'm taking Kentucky. Um, I'll take Mississippi State. Then we have, is this, this has got to be the game of the week in college football, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Notre Dame at Georgia. Georgia, a 14-and-a-half-point favorite at home that against top 10 significant Notre Dame. Is this our first head-to-head -head in the our in the playoff? Ooh, I think it is. Oh, that means I got to go with Georgia then for sure. You have to. You have them in the college football playoff, and I have Notre Dame. I'm going to pick Notre Dame. Wow, we're just oh, going against each other in no. all kinds of ways. Wow. Oh, Oops, shoot. marked that wrong. You guys just beat each other up over there, why don't you? Yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> well, it's kind of fair. Producer Cameron doesn't have any teams in the uh, top four right now. so. But all of them are in the top ten. So. That's true. Then, last and least, we have <laughs> <laughs> Nebraska, who is a road favorite. 
Nebraska, a 13-point favorite at Illinois. Oh, my God. And I knew Kyle would love picking this game. How did I not know these two teams were playing each other? This is absolutely atrocious. It's a matchup in So I can tell you right now, I would not touch Illinois with a 100-foot pole. I'm going to pick Nebraska and be proud of it. Yeah, I just I would not pick Illinois against against Semo, honestly. So <laughs> gotta take Nebraska. Second week in a row we're both picking Nebraska. Worked last week. They really took it to Northern Illinois. <laughs> so back to back games against the state of Illinois. They're gonna own the state of Illinois after wow. this weekend. Wow, that's on those like uh territory maps, maps. Yeah, yeah, I've been territory those. of college football. They're gonna <laughs> definitely own Illinois. Well, Illinois may not own anything right now anyway. True. So. Yeah, who would they even pick for that right now? I don't know. Southern Illinois. Uh, well, FCS. it's whoever beat Illinois. Well, Northwestern probably first. gets the rights to oh, the I state of Illinois, Illinois at the beginning of the season. Well, some of them do it by, like, state counties. Oh, sure. You're right. But They take counties. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun stuff. <laughs> so let's see here. I picked the upset. Uh, we both picked the upset of Cal over Ole Miss. I picked the upset Auburn over Texas A&M. You picked the upset Kentucky over Mississippi State. I picked the upset Notre Dame over Georgia. So we got a lot of, a lot uh, of different a lot different of picks there. So mm-hmm. great opportunity for me to just put you're, this away. You're going to be up four. by like 12 points after this week. <laughs> this is definitely possible. Or we could be all square. Um, I think, I don't think I have any other information or anything. Probably something at all. Probably something that we missed, but always is. Oh, well, we'll just miss it. All right. Sounds good. Um, you can find this podcast on Apple podcasts, iTunes, Google podcasts, and Spotify, or on Twitter at Mizzou sports pod. You should definitely follow us on Twitter because we tweet a lot about Missouri. (laughs) That's the, that's the reason. (laughs) That's the idea. And you can email us at Missouri sports pod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next week. 